Hello and welcome back to IT Varsity Tech Watch. I'm your host Bilal Katrada. And I'm your co-host Masihullah Katrada. I'm your host Bilal Katrada. And I'm your co-host Masihullah Katrada. And today we are recording in a little makeshift studio because our actual studio has been flooded. We've had some crazy, crazy rains here in Durban uh, over the last uh, couple of days and our studio is now almost ankle deep in water. But the show must go on, the program must move on, and we are here in our temporary studio. And if the sound is not as good as you would expect, then we apologize for that. It is a very, very makeshift setup that we have right here. So moving on, Masila, last week you were at a talk, or you did a presentation in Johannesburg. I think it was to the micro uh, organization. What, what happened there? What was it all about? Okay, so um, the micro organization focuses on youth innovation and and, uh, getting people who are starting up businesses to connect, uh, come uh, come out, have a small discussion, learn from others in the business, and they get speakers to come in to speak about specific topics that could help others in their businesses. And you were invited to to speak at at the event. Correct. This was the first one for 20, 2019 um, and uh, I spoke about artificial intelligence and how it's changing our, our lives. Okay, that's cool. I mean, this was in uh, in Kilani, I believe. Uh, that's correct. In, in Johannesburg and that's cool. And uh, how was the response? Oh, it was it was lovely. I mean, to say the least, it, it I enjoyed it. I loved connecting with so many people. Um, and uh, I really hope that they that they took something away from um, from my presentation. Yeah, I mean, artificial intelligence, fourth industrial revolution, um, Internet of Things. I mean, these things are affecting our lives as we speak. These things are affecting our lives and future careers and businesses in fundamental ways. And I think it's important that we educate people about it and keep people up to date because i mean it's it's very likely that uh people will get left out uh when you know the complete transformation happens when the fourth industrial revolution finally kicks in in a in a big way i mean i've uh, just come back from istanbul and when you look at uh you know turkey being a european country it's far more advanced than than us and when you look at how much of an impact technology has made in countries like uh, Turkey, other European countries, and obviously the more advanced countries, it's really, really phenomenal. We are still way behind in a lot of ways. So I think it's cool that you know we uh, that people are showing interest, and I think it's important that everyone, I mean kids, adults, teachers, business people, professionals everyone takes a keen interest in the fourth industrial revolution because this is changing our lives as i said in 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 fundamental ways for those that missed our presentation uh, or masila's presentation last week the good news is we'll be doing similar presentations across the country uh starting off on the 4th of may at the cii offices in uh, durban so if you want to attend or if you've got uh, if you know somebody that wants to attend, please catch up with uh, CII either by contacting them or by uh, 
visiting their social media account and making a booking. It's a free event. There's absolutely no charge, but you will have to make a booking. You'll have to RSVP and uh, book your place. So don't miss out. And also, if you are in any other town, we'll be happy to come and do the presentation at your town. Simply give us an invitation. We'll come at our own cost and uh, we'll run this presentation. I think it's really important, uh, you know, for especially for kids, uh, particularly high school kids, because they are coming to a stage now where they're going to need to choose their careers. And this will help them to decide on exactly which careers they should be choosing, which careers will still be relevant over the next 10 years, 10 to 15 years, which ones will become obsolete. So it's highly, highly recommended for everybody to understand what's going on with the post-industrial revolution. We'll be very happy to come to your town and do the presentation at no cost uh, to you. It's a service that we are offering to the community. So moving on, our topic for today, what, what is our topic for today, Nasim? So today we're talking about technology and the military. Uh, we're going to touch on the moral issues regarding military, uh, the technology and the military. And we're also going to talk about some of the amazing technologies that we use on a daily basis that were actually invented for the military. Okay, that's cool. Now, not long ago, I think it was towards the latter part of last year, Microsoft uh, won a $500 million dollar, uh, contract, US dollar contract with the military to supply them with uh, their HoloLens technology. Now, this is a huge contract and it's a big deal even for a company like Microsoft. I mean, we're looking at half a billion US dollars. I mean, if you're looking at uh, current exchange rate, uh, this is close on to, uh, I think, 10 billion rands. Uh, and it's a phenomenal amount of money. Now, obviously, Microsoft would have been jumping for joy uh, to have clinched such a huge contract. And the thing about military contract is that they are not just once off a recurring contract so the first phase would be probably half a billion dollars and then there'd be a second and uh, possibly a third phase so microsoft should be jumping with joy but all is not well but before we go there before i describe why all is not well what the issues are masila describe to us exactly what is this hololens technology and what is the military's particular interest in this technology now, the HoloLens is a fascinating piece of equipment. It is an AR helmet. So, if you remember back... Uh, AR means augmented reality, Augmented right? reality, All right. correct. So, Google, Glass, uh, Google Glasses um, tried to do a similar thing where it projects an image onto your eye, so onto your field of view. So, as you're walking around, as you're driving, you are able to, to interact with and well, you'll be able to add displays into your field of vision. So basically, AR takes whatever is on your screen, whether it's a computer or a cell phone, and put it, puts it right in front of your eyes so that you don't need to look down at your screen anymore. And it's kind of projected Correct. right in your field of vision. Exactly. Cool. So if, if you kind of imagine like um, the way Iron Man I inside his helmet, you he can see all of the gadgets displayed that's a similar way uh, to what the, the HoloLens was trying to do. 
Now, the HoloLens had some amazing uses. It was able you you were able to consume uh, entertainment on it. You could play games on it. Um, one nice example that they gave is if you cooking in your kitchen and you are working on a recipe, you basically pin that recipe to your fridge, and you can walk around your kitchen. And when you go back and look on your fridge, it's still pinned there. So that's that's some of the amazing uses. Obviously, you're virtually pinning. It's not really there. That's correct. So nobody else can see it. Uh, only you can see because you are wearing the helmet. I think one of the, the the most exciting uses of the hollow technology of AR, augmented reality technology for me, is navigation. I mean, you're driving around uh, trying to find a place. Normally, we'd go to Google Maps, we'd search for something, and then it'll show us a yellow line, uh, how to get there. But the danger is that we have to keep looking at our screen and then back at the road. And I think it's dangerous. But with the hollow technology, it's basically, it's going to take that yellow line and superimpose that directly onto the road. So you'll be driving around and you'll see this yellow line with arrows that's showing you the direction. When it comes to a turn, you'll see an arrow uh, pointing to that turn. So you need to, you know, you need to turn there. So that's going to be uh, really exciting. Do, do, is, what are some of the other uh, functions that uh, this hollow technology can do, some of the other features that it has. Okay, so where it gets really amazing is where you combine AR and the HoloLens with artificial intelligence. Now you, you're giving the helmet the ability to sense its environment and, and change things um, uh, based on, on, on what's around it. So for example, uh, one of the best, easiest examples is, like you mentioned, when you're driving and you want to navigate, you don't have to look off the road. But now imagine you're getting a text message. Now, without even looking at your phone, without taking your gaze off the road, you can view your text messages and you can respond to it by using AI. Uh, same way you can answer calls and do most of what you would do on your phone. That's cool. And I think one one way that AR will, will save people like me a lot of embarrassment is they also have facial recognition built in. So you go to an event, you meet someone that you've met before and embarrassingly you forgot their names. Now the AR technology will, uh, the camera built into the HoloLens technology will recognize this person and display their name just below that. It'll pick up their name from your contact list or from their LinkedIn profile and probably a short write-up about that person. So that'd be so cool. I mean, here's a person you're meeting, you forgot the name, but uh, your HoloLens is giving you a, a heads-up display right in front of your eyes as to who this person actually is. Okay, so much for the civilian interest in HoloLens. Why is the military so interested in this? Okay, so you can imagine, right, with all of this advancement, there's, there's a lot that the military can take. Now, for them, the the main uh, takeaway was to create sort of a HUD or heads-up display for soldiers, similar to what you would see in a video game. So if you can imagine playing a video game, you have uh, a view of your vitals, you have a view of your map, and you have a view of your objectives without even looking at your watch or your phone or, or any gadgets. So that's what they want for, for soldiers, where they'll be able to see all of their vital health information as well as the health information of their teammates then also be able to use ai to traverse the uh, the the, war the battlefield 
they'll be able to maybe even see the uh, the condition of their weapons and their commanders will be able to give them objectives through this lens so fighting in war will become more and more like a, a, a video game exactly and you can imagine that with with advancements in AI um, it could even pick up hidden soldiers so people who uh, soldiers who are, who are about to ambush you uh, the the AI and the HoloLens will actually pick them up and ident identify them for you. It could also uh, help in aim assisting, so uh, increase the soldier's accuracy. Okay, so military wants to use Microsoft's HoloLens. Initially, I think it's just going to be used for training purposes, and eventually it's going to go into the battlefield. But there is an issue, and the problem is that Microsoft employees are not at all happy about this contract. Now, there were a good few hundred employees actually that sent a uh, petition to Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella and they said to him, look, we're not in the business of war. We are technology people, we are software developers, we are electronic engineers, and we got into this business to help people. We got into this business to try and advance technology to assist people and now you're taking our technology that we've developed and you are selling it to the military who's going to use it for war obviously militaries use uh, this technology for war it's going to be used uh, to kill people and uh, microsoft's uh, employees are, are well aware of the fact that the u.s government has fought some really unjust wars in the in the recent past now this is not just with microsoft it's a trend among other uh, companies in uh, the USA's uh, technology sector. For example, Google. Now, Google won a massive contract from the U.S. military a couple of years ago to provide the U.S. Uh, drones, the military drones, with AI technology, artificial intelligence technology that helps to clarify images from a height. So this drone is flying at a height it's got cameras facing down towards the earth and the pictures were, were generally a bit blurred. So Google's AI technology was or is able to clarify that image. Now, so Google uh, you know, was happy to sell this uh, technology to the US military, but again, Google's uh, staff protested against it. In fact, there's about 4,000 employees that signed a petition letter to the, com the company's CEO, Sundar Pichai, and protested. They said, well, we are not happy with this. And uh, again, just like the Microsoft employees, they said, we are not in the business of war. Subsequently, Google pulled out of that uh, deal and uh, decided not to work with government or military going forward. In fact, Google also pulled out of another bid this was also quite a big one. It was a $10 billion bid that a number of companies were making to the U.S. government. This contract was for the Department of uh, Defense at the, at the U.S. military, and it's, it's called Joint Enterprise Defense Infrastructure, or JEDI, J-E-D-I. I guess they used uh, the movie reference from Star Wars as... Uh, as a Jedi. So nonetheless, this is a $10 billion contract that Google pulled out of because 
their employees were unhappy. Microsoft, on the other hand, IBM, Amazon, Oracle didn't pull out of the bid. They're actually quite happy to move forward with the bid because they say, and I quote Jeff Bezos, the CEO of Amazon, he says, if big tech companies are going to turn their back on U.S. Department of Defense, this country is going to be in trouble. Okay, so Jeff Bezos, Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft, and loads of others are playing the, the patriotic card. And so are dozens and dozens of smaller tech startups. They're playing the patriotic card. They're saying we're helping our government. We're helping to uphold the values of democracy. And we're happy to provide this military, uh, this technology to the military, as long as it is used for good. But now there's a huge question around what is the definition of good? And whose definition of good are we looking at? I mean, if the US military sends drones into a tiny little village in Pakistan and uh, blows up an entire village, now, in certain people's uh, perspective, that's good. But when you look at the people that are being affected, the poor villagers whose homes are being blown to smithereens, who are losing their lives, it's definitely not good. So good is a massive gray area. And the military, once they buy a technology, they're not under any obligation to describe where they're going to use this technology and how they're going to use it. Once they bought it, it's theirs to use exactly how they want. So I think these companies are actually being a bit delusional in saying that, you know, as long as it's being used for good, uh, they, they're happy to provide it to the government. And even though they're playing the the patriotic card and they they are making all sorts of patriotic statements the fact remains that it's big business i mean 10 billion dollar contracts that's huge business and like i say with military contracts it's not just once off because once the, mili the military is uh, used to working with a company once you've you've uh, clicked one bid then there's usually recurring business from there so it's definitely definitely a big business but then the other way of looking at it is that as much as i explained in the introduction to this this episode there's a lot of technologies that we use on a daily basis that have been developed by military and chances are if the military hadn't developed these technologies they probably wouldn't have existed or even if they did they would have been like decades behind so the military either invented these technologies or took them forward at a much faster rate because they had a need for it. Mashira, tell us. Tell us some of the technologies that we use on a daily basis that uh, were developed by the military. Okay. So if, if you're using a computer or you're using a smartphone or a smartwatch, the original computer was actually developed for the military. So modern computers as we know it were developed by uh, Alan Turing during World War II uh, and it was used, uh, well, he created the Turing machine which was a way to help them decipher encrypted German messages. Now that is the first ever version of a computer as we know it today. And if it were, weren't for Alan Turing, 
and it went for the need of the Allied forces to hack these uh, German messages. Turing most likely wouldn't have developed this computer. Maybe somebody might have developed it, but what, two or three decades down the line, and computer technology would have been at least 30 or 40 years behind, right? So because of the Turing machine, um, if you if you now fast forward uh, a few decades, the, the military, uh, the, the American military, developed what they called ENIAC, which was the predecessor to the, the Turing machine. And it was actually the first, um, one of the first ever modern computers. So it was, it also became the first commercially available computer. Okay, they rebranded it to Univac, right? And that became Correct. commercially available and the big companies started buying it. Again, so ENIAC was the descendant of Turing's machine and Univac, which was the first commercial machine, was directly descended from ENIAC. Cool, and then here's my favorite one, the internet itself. Now, back in the, back in the days before there was the World Wide Web, before there was there was the internet, there was ARPANET, or it's spelled A R P A N E T. Now, this was a way for for the military to communicate and send messages to other bases, uh, and um, to basically share data between their bases. And this was where the internet, as we know it, came from. So ARPANET was actually the internet, but initially it was a military application and then the military made it open for civilian use and that became the internet. Now, if the military hadn't uh, invented ARPANET, if had they did not developed ARPANET, we probably wouldn't have had the internet. And, um, you know, just taking a look at these two inventions, right, they've transformed the way we, we live not just the way we use our gadgets, but we can't live without these two gadgets. In fact, we talked about the fourth industrial revolution and this is only possible because of these two inventions. Now, th there's many, many more that more technologies that the military uh, was actually developed for the military. And these actually shocked me as well because I, I didn't even know about them. For example, uh, global positioning systems, GPS, uh, GPS navigation, it started off as a as a as a military experiment. Um, jet propulsion, duct tape, yeah, even duct tape, um, drones, weather radars, and even microwave ovens. Okay, so the next time you're warming your food in a microwave, you are actually uh, you should thank uh, the American military for that. Correct. Even digital cameras again were used for military, and. Um, rubber tires that that we have on our cars were developed for the military so that's a lot of technologies that uh, you know we we can't imagine life without that uh, have been developed by military so then the question arises now that you know there's the moral issue around whether technologies should be made available to the military but then the flip side to that is should we be using technologies that were de developed by the, by the military i mean should we be thankful and grateful to the military that developed these uh, technologies or should we be horrified by the atrocities that they uh, committed? There's no real easy answer. I mean, we can't all of a sudden decide that we're not going to use computers anymore because 
ENIAC was developed by the military or we're not going to use the internet and email anymore because ARPANET was developed by the military. We have to continue using it and uh, it's, it's become a, because it's become a part of our lives. But it's a question that still lingers. Is this a good thing or not? Should companies actually sell their technology to the military or not? Something that no one can really answer. It's on all our collective consciousness together. That's a wrap for today's uh, episode. And once again, just a quick reminder, we've got uh, the presentation on the 4th of May at the CII offices in Durban. It's called Rise of the Machines. For more information, go on to a CII uh, social media account or simply call the Durban office to uh, make inquiry. And even though the event is totally free, you're going to need to uh, make a booking uh, to attend. So catch us on the 4th of May at the CII offices at 8.30 in the morning for Rise of the Machines. That's a wrap for today's episode. I'm Bilal Katrada. And I'm Masinu Katrada. And this is Technology Watch.